Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. I'm Paul Dottino, joined by Super Bowl champion Jeff Fiegels. So happy you guys could be with us again today as we talk more New York Giants football. Jeff, hope all is well. It certainly was a very tiresome weekend as we went through three days of the NFL draft. <laughs> it was. It was a little bit... Um... I don't know, it's not hectic. I think it was fun. I mean, it was my first go at this uh, with the boys. Uh, that would be you and Lance and uh, John. And I had a great time doing it, a lot of preparation that went into it. And um, it was kind of exciting because we all had our idea of who the first, second, third rounders were going to kind of be. Um, then after that, it just kind of gets out of hand and it's just a crapshoot. But the fact of the matter is I think the Giants um, – we'll talk a little bit more about it, but I think they, they did well and uh, they had a they definitely had a plan. And I think they executed their plan well. Well, most people, that is the experts around the nation, do think that the Giants did pretty well with their 10 draft picks. They took seven on defense, three on offense. All three offensive players were along the offensive line. And all seven defensive players were in the back seven of Mm -hmm. the defense. Well, now it's time for our prospect review. And today we hear from South Carolina head coach Will Muschamp. The Giants took South Carolina outside linebacker T.J. Brunson in the seventh round with pick number 238. As a senior, he had 77 tackles to finish with 283 for his career to go along with six sacks. Our own Lance Meadows started the conversation by asking Muschamp for a thumbnail sketch of the rookie defender. Well, getting a three-year starter. A uh, guy right here from Columbia. Actually, when I accepted the job in my press conference, the first person I went to see was T.J. Brunson at Northeast Richland High School here in Columbia. Uh, great family, uh, outstanding person, a uh, guy that's going to represent the organization in a first-class manner, uh, but, but a guy that will strike you. And, and he can play in space. He's got good speed. He's got good instincts. Uh, he's been a three-year starter here at the University of South Carolina Southeastern Conference. So I think that says a lot. Uh, but, he, but he's played Mike and Will for us. So he played Mike for his first uh, first year he's played in Will. And then uh, Mike, the sophomore and junior, so he made every call and then played Will his senior year uh, to, to help our, our football team get the best guys on the field. But he, he's just a really good football player and a great person. He'll, he'll bring value to special teams and obviously at the linebacker position. Coach, uh, Joe Judge of the Giants specifically talked about how he's all over the field, but that playing in your scheme is not an easy thing to do. He said, obviously, there's similarities between Georgia and Alabama. I sense a Nick Saban connection amongst all of the names that we're mentioning right here. But, but what does that tell you about not only his instincts, but his work habits and his football acumen? Well, he works extremely hard at the game, and that's I think that's one of the huge attributes that they really were attracted to. Uh, but, you know, we do do a little bit more than a lot of people, and obviously I was the defense coordinator for Nick when we won the national championship at LSU. I also coordinated for him at the Miami Dolphins. So uh, there's a lot of similarities schematically in what we do. The fact that you mentioned you moved him around and he obviously played the Mike linebacker position coach, how critical was he in terms of really setting the tone for your defense as well as the communication? Well, you could see it early on as a true freshman he played for us. Uh, he played a, played, a, played a bunch of snaps on defense. and A guy that uh, really had a good understanding of what we did and how we did things, and he continued to uh, progress in his leadership role uh, throughout that process. But, you know, really, you watch the way T.J. practices and the type of person he is. He's, 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 he's that kind of personality uh, that's going to be really good in the locker room for the Giants. Coach, one of the statistical uh, analysis that I saw on him is that he played some snaps in the slot. Could you confirm that for us, and what does that say about his athleticism? 
Well, he also has played some Sam linebacker for us. You know, a lot of times in college football right now, we get we face, face so much quick screens and bubble screens and things. We need to get a little heavier in the slot with an athletic guy that could play in space. And TJ has done that for us uh, as well. So he's a, a very a guy that, again I think gives you a lot of position variety. Coach, I was reading that he had surgery on a sports hernia in the spring of 2019, returned, he started all 12 games, but that he played pretty much hurt throughout 2018. Was that a reflection of the hernia, or was that something else that he grinded through? No, that wasn't the hernia. That was something that uh, we discovered early in the year, felt like he needed to have surgery, and that was one of those things as a coach-player relationship. He said, all right, what, what do we want to do here? He said, I'm playing. He said, I'm going to play through it. Uh, we had to manage him a little bit through practice, but uh, never said one other word about it until the season was over because he wanted to complete the season. So says a lot about his toughness. He's a tough young man, uh, did what he had to do to stay on the field, uh, and that says a lot about it, his character and his toughness. Well, I want to build off that too, Coach, because I noticed from uh, some of the bio notes he was a team captain here during his senior season. Is that is that something that you choose, or do the players vote? And and again, how is that indicative of the kind of respect he commanded in your locker room and on the field? No, that's a player's vote. That, that's just strictly on the players, and it says a lot about the respect he has of his teammates, which is the ultimate, in my opinion, compliment to you as a, a player is when your team teammates vote you captain. And as far as that vocal presence is concerned, Coach, how do you think that's going to translate to the NFL level now that obviously he's going to be in his first year in that league? Well, TJ's a guy that understands his role. And I remember him coming in years as a true freshman. He's a highly uh, decorated recruit. Uh, you, you didn't hear two words from him. Yeah, he understands that actions are louder than words. And uh, that's, that's probably his motto as far as how he lives his life. So he's a guy that's going to go about his business, handle handle what he's supposed to do, how he's supposed to do it, the way it's supposed to be done. And, uh, and that, that's why he'll have great respect in the, in the locker room there, there at the Giants. Coach, there's one other South Carolina guy coming up to the Giants. Uh, we understand that according to reports that uh, Kyle Markway, uh, your tight end, uh, is also on his way. And this is a guy who, according to his bio, uh, two seasons because of foot and rib injuries, but gutsy, continued to play through, and was very productive for you the last couple of years. Yeah, Kyle's a very productive player for us. Uh, had an opportunity to come back. He's already was in graduate school, and and, uh, and we just kind of had already had his diploma done and was was, was working toward a master's degree and just came to me and just said, I think I'm, I'm ready to take this plunge. And so uh, Kyle Zavari was a very productive player for us and, and I think will be a very good uh, professional tight end. And that agreement, of course, with Markway is contingent on him passing a physical as we are speaking with South Carolina head coach Will Muschamp here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. The Giants selecting linebacker T.J. Brunson out of South Carolina with one of their seventh-round picks. When you look at Markway's numbers coach this past season, third on the team, and he had a career-high 31 receptions, what was it about this year that enabled him to perhaps really get everything to click and be a little bit more productive on the offensive end? Well, he stayed on the field, and that's been that was a frustrating thing for Kyle. Is you know he had the uh, the ankle, and then he had the rib injury, uh, so it, that, that was very you know frustrating for him early on. Um, we had some really good tight ends here. You know, uh, Hayden Hurst was a first round pick uh, that played in that third year, and then he had an opportunity this past year to get on the field and really contribute. And uh, uh, did did a nice job when his number was called. He, he's a guy that can block at the point of attack. 
he's also a guy that can threaten you in the middle of the field and in the passing game, which is, you know, right now in, in, in college football, the hardest position to recruit or one of the hardest positions to recruit is the tight end position because they're either a wide out and they won't block anybody or they're a guy or a slug that can block at the point of attack and can't threaten anybody in the middle of the field. So that's a hard combination to find right now in the college and obviously in the professional ranks. Coach, to confirm, because of those injuries, he did have a year of eligibility left and he could have returned. Is that is that accurate? And I guess, yeah. that, what what kind of conversation was that like with, with him in terms of him finally deciding to go to the NFL? Well, Kyle's a very intelligent guy. He's already got his degree and he's working on a master's degree. To be honest with you, he said, you know, Coach, I'm not a big fan of, of, of graduate school right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, and he felt like, you know, I think the injuries are obviously were frustrating for him. Uh, but, but Kyle's a unbelievable young man i mean a, a guy you, you won't represent in your program you want him in your organization uh and, and he just you know felt like i said hey take, take a couple days and you make a decision on what you want to do he, he had gotten some feedback from some nfl teams he probably knew he's going to be a late round of free agent uh opportunity at best and, and he understood that and he was willing to take that opportunity Coach, the fact that you've been in the SEC for several seasons means you're also familiar with some of the other players the Giants selected, and your team went up against Georgia each of the last three seasons, so I'm sure you've studied Andrew Thomas, the Giants' first-round pick, the Georgia offensive lineman, very closely over the last few seasons. Curious, your perspective from the opposite sideline, what jumped out to you in terms of your team trying to solve him at the tackle position? Athleticism. He's got great feet. Uh, great change of direction uh, for a big man. Um, I think, you know, across the board, George's offensive line last year was about 330. I think he was right in that range. Uh, but for a big man that can move his feet like that, it's very uncommon. Uh, and certainly could be a left tackle in the National Football League for a long time. But he's a very, very athletic, extremely intelligent young man. I believe he went to Pace, uh, Pace High School there in, in Atlanta. And uh, but, but his athleticism, to me, is what jumps off the charts. Well, I think we would be remiss then if we didn't ask you about Alabama's safety. Xavier McKinney, who was the Giants' second-round pick, uh, when, when you were scouting and, and looking forward to playing them that week, what did you see from him that, that would cause you some concern? Well, another guy we recruited, and he causes a lot of concerns. But you know, Xavier's a guy that, again, I think bring, brings you a lot of position position variety. So he, he can play the dime linebacker, so he can play in the box. He can play in the middle of the field. He can play in a half. Uh, situation he can play nickel because he has coverage ability in the slot he is a very physical guy i mean he obviously as i talked about him playing in the box so he gives you a lot he's going to be on all special teams he's very intelligent from roswell georgia there at roswell high school uh but a really good football player i've known xavier for a long time coach you also clearly have a very strong connection to nick saban as you mentioned and interestingly new giants head coach joe judge was with saban at alabama just out of curiosity, how much interaction at all have you had with Joe Judge over the years, whether it be through the collegiate landscape or the NFL landscape? Well, I haven't. Uh, I don't know Joe personally. I mean, obviously, we know each other through through people. I know he's an outstanding football coach, and he'll do a great job there for the Giants. I do have a lot of familiarity with Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator, and Derek Dooley. Uh, they're on staff, uh, guys that I worked with at the Miami Dolphins, and I worked with Derek at LSU as well, but tremendous respect you know jason's one of the brightest coaches i've ever been around uh great understanding of the national football league when i coordinated the dolphins that was my first year he was extremely helpful for to me he was our quarterback coach and really kind of talked me through dealing in in the nfl atmosphere and those sort of things and, and Derek's an outstanding coach as well 
That is South Carolina head coach Will Muschamp, and we thank him for his time. Again, the Giants using a seventh-round pick on outside linebacker T.J. Brunson. And the characteristics about him, Jeff, that uh, we have heard most often, high motor, smart, physical, speedy, and athletic. The kind of characteristics you usually hear at the bottom of the draft about guys who have a real chance to make an impact on special teams. Yeah, and the other thing about him, multiple. Right, we we hear that word all the time, Paul. Recently, multiple, multiple can play. Uh, you're going to have to play different positions, and I think that when I mentioned the theme, um, I think of this draft this year. T.J. Brunson meets that theme because he's a smart player, he's multiple, okay, and he's got speed. So that was one of the things that the Giants wanted to go out and get in the draft, and they certainly they picked up a guy like T.J. Brunson who is going to, you know, at six one two twenty, he's got some good size to him. Um, being a linebacker, he understands tackling, he understands position, he understands scheme when it comes to special teams, and he'll be a guy that'll play that left or right guard position, uh, possibly maybe a wing on the punt team, and a guy that'll be running down at the L4 or L5 on special teams kickoff, running down there trying to make some tackles. So uh, a guy that um, has a lot of playing time and comes highly recommended. Suffice it to say that uh, the punters and the kickers like to make friends with those guys as soon as they can, right? Absolutely, because they're, co- they're listen. They're, they're covering for you and they're protecting. And a guy like T.J. Brunson, who's going to be on the punt team, uh, his first job is to protect me, and then the second thing is you need to get down there and cover after I kicked it. And so if these guys got good speed, one thing that it's really that I like to look at, and this is the reason why linebackers play the position on punt team, is because they're agile and they're and they're athletic. They can get off of blocks, right? They're used to linemen coming up and, and engaging on them. So they're able to get off blocks at the line of scrimmage on the punt team and then run down with their speed and agility, and they're, they're able to move laterally real quick and then make tackles. So that's why you see a lot of the linebackers in those 50 numbers on the punt team. Well, that is T.J. Brunson we're talking about, who was one of four seventh-round picks on the Giants' draft hall. And, Jeff, we didn't get a chance to talk to you after the whole draft was over. You were, of course, or were with us live on Saturday mm-hmm. as we took some phone calls, and we got through the Giants' pick in the fifth round. But what is your overall take on the theme of what sure. the Giants did? Well, I, I, I started to think about this a little bit, and I think that, you know, every team has a plan, Paul, coming into the draft, and I think that plan is executed, but you have to be able to understand before the plan is executed, uh, there's some things that lead up to it. And what I'm talking about is I think when I look at what the Giants did in free agency, they address some needs that will immediately help this team, but with those needs and the guys that they brought in, it now gives them the ability to go out and get the players they wanted in the draft. So it's kind of like a process. And, and I think that the Giants had that idea in mind. And when they went into this draft, um, I think the big thing that they wanted to do was offensively get that big left tackle, and they got him and Andrew Thomas. Okay, But I think the other one is that they wanted to, and you had mentioned it, about the back seven. They needed to get faster in that second and third level. And I think they drafted speedy linebackers and speedy defensive backs that play multiple positions, that are smart football players. And if you go up and down this draft, you look at the players that they did, this kind of fits the theme of that. Now, what I'm expecting out of all this, from Patrick Graham being the defensive coordinator and all these new players that he has and and what he's going to do, this defense is going to look a lot like the New England Patriots defense last season. It's just just building that way. And I think it's a fast, uh, react defense that he's going to get people in the right positions to play and make plays and that's what i take out of this draft is what they did 
I'm curious as to your take as to something that Jim Nagy, the uh, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, told us on yesterday's show, and that is obviously uh, Matt Peart out of UConn, that the Huskies not exactly a powerhouse program, but if you look at all of the other nine draft picks that the Giants selected, all coming from power conferences, major schools, power conferences, coming from head coaching programs that really stress fundamentals, techniques, and football smarts. I yeah. don't think that's a coincidence, Jeff. <laughs> it's not. It's absolutely not. Now, now Matt Pert, obviously, his Randy Essel is his coach up there. Um, he didn't wasn't there the whole time, but um, I think Diaco was probably there his freshman or sophomore year. But the fact is that Randy Essel knows how to coach. He's I, been in. He's been in the. Yes. AC, he's been in the big programs, and so I think. The I don't he, mean to slight him. Believe me, I, I don't. No, mean no, to do I that. know that. I'm just trying to tell you that. You know, obviously he's there, and that's just the, in the American Conference. That's just it is what it is, right? I mean, it's not a powerhouse conference, but uh, he's coaching a powerhouse conference. What they see in Matt Pert, and I and I I, I told you guys this earlier, and I'm I'm not going to even say the word, but it's a guy that's going to get better. I'm not going to use that word that they because I hate when people have to give somebody a name or a phrase that sticks with them forever. Um, you know that developmental tackle. I cannot stand that, Paul. I just cannot stand that word. He's a third-round draft pick. Okay, yeah, he might be a little bit developmental, but he's got skills. He's six foot seven, three hundred eighteen pounds. And what this draft pick does for me is, it is going to be a year of him learning and getting in there and competing. Um, and then two thousand twenty-one. Don't be surprised if you see uh, Andrew Thomas and Matt Pete Pert, excuse me, as being your left and your right starting tackles. Those are big boys now. Would you be at all prickled by the phrase he's a maturing pro tackle? There you go. I'll take that. Maturing pro tackle. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> uh, anything other than developmental tackle. I mean, he's he, – <laughs> Oh, whatever. Okay, this is not a developmental league. This is the National Football League now. When you, when you get here, you are expected to play and develop on your own, please. <laughs> now, after the Giants took uh, offensive lineman Shane Lemieux out of Oregon in the fifth round, yeah. we had commented on him, and then that was it for our live show on Saturday. So subsequently to that, the Giants used the sixth-round pick on outside linebacker Cam Brown out of Penn State, and I know that you also have some, some very good things to say about him. I, I really do, and I, if you go and you look, and I know you have, Paul, a lot of people may have not, but you look at the way this guy plays. He's, he's a big guy, two, six foot five, 233. He can play multiple positions. Again, that word multiple is coming to uh, every sentence that we talk about, Joe Judge and Patrick Graham, multiple, guys that are going to have to be able to come in and be able to fill in in different spots and play. Um, a six-rounder. Uh, 183rd overall, you know what that tells you. It's got special teams written all over it, right? I mean, they drafted this guy because he can play really good special teams. Talking with Sean Spencer yesterday, who you know is a good buddy of mine now, I've talked to him a little bit about Cam. He said the nicest guy, uh, competitor, and a guy that can is really, really good at special teams. Um, I think that you and I did the interview for the, the, the prospect um interview for Penn State. Yes. And it, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but he also talked highly about Cam Brown. 
Well, he played all three linebacker positions, mm-hmm. and he's very smart and heady. And, of course, at 6'5", he's got tremendous length. Mm-hmm. And that is something that he certainly wants to use to his advantage. He's got 11 passes defended in his career. So that just tells you those long arms, you know, 6'5". Uh, that's a big boy. The tall, tall guy. Kind of reminds me a little. I'm not comparing the two, um, but JPP was 6'5", 6'6", slender-looking guy, right? Yeah, I understand. I understand. All right, so let me ask you one question as we, uh, we we finish off the draft notes. That is, as you sit here today, if you were Dave Gettleman, and I know you're not, what are the thin areas on this roster right now that you would still look to shore up if you could? And I'm not asking you for names because, obviously, the you know we don't know exactly who would be targeted on their list. But is, is there an area of concern right now that you would still like to, to, to shore up before they get this thing going? Well, if I, as I sit here and go through it mentally down the position board, right, I, I look at every position here, and I, 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 this is what I talked about at the top of the show, how I think that the Giants did a tremendous job of addressing every position on this team, whether it's depth, starting, developmental, you name it. Um, I think that the one, one that still sticks out in my crow here is the center position, okay? Um, now, we talked about Shane Lemieux. Is he going to be that guy that moves over to center? Um, I don't know. Okay, is it going to be? Um, help me out. Excuse me. Lost my train of thought. Well, well, can Pulley, can Pulley, Spencer Pulley, hold him off can in a competition? Hold, can he hold him off? That's right. And um, the young guy from USC. I'm. Uh, uh, hello. Come on. Get Nick Gates. Excuse me. Um, out of Nebraska. Nebraska, not in USC. Nick Gates. Can he be a guy that's inserted into that center position? Other than that, I feel like the Giants are ready to go. I think they're ready to start, I think whenever, but I think they're ready to teach these guys and they feel comfortable with the roster that they have now. Of course, there's going to be some other additions and subtractions and, um, you know, there's all kinds of things that can happen. But um, if you, I'm answering your question at center is the one that I still think needs to be is a question mark in my mind. And, of course, we need to remind people that Dave Gettleman has said that John Jalapio coming off of uh, his Achilles uh, is expected to physically be ready in June. But, again, that's a question mark that we really can't answer yeah. or, or have any more in-depth insight into. Now, as we continue to look at this roster as they shape it during the 2020 calendar year, uh, Field Gates of ESPN has reported uh, that the Giants have placed an unrestricted free agent tender on edge rusher Marcus Golden. This means that if Golden remains unsigned after July 22nd, the Giants will maintain his exclusive rights. Until then, Golden can still negotiate with other teams to sign a new deal. If he signs elsewhere, he would count towards his new team's compensatory pick formula for the 2021 draft. This is a very, very, very rare uh tool that general managers use it, it the last time it came into play was 2017 when new england put it on mm. the garrett blunt mm. the mm. very tall and physical running back who wound mm. up signing with the philadelphia eagles and i know you're going to address the connection to the patriots uh, it only <laughs> makes sense right I, it only makes sense so if you're a part of that organization and the organization did something that's very rare um, but slick, right? It's kind of one of those moves where people are like, ooh, I didn't know about that. How did you know about that? Well, Bill Belichick knew about it. <laughs> and uh, now Joe Judge knows about it. And guess what? He probably said, hey, Dave Gettleman, did I tell you what we did one time up in New England in 2017? We got a guy that's out there with uh, double-digit sacks sitting there unsigned. Maybe we can do that with this guy. Hey, that sounds great, Joe. Why don't we do that? Okay. And they did it.
So um, the big thing about it here, in my mind, uh, I don't think that they will re-sign him. I think they're strictly doing this to try to get that compensatory pick if somebody does sign him because they now have – have given him that tag, which now gives the ability for the Giants to pick up a compensatory pick if he goes and signs somewhere else. Well, I will tell you this. I don't know that they will get one. Uh, I think the way this is... There's a chance. Well, I I don't know because here's the thing. That compensatory pick formula, which we've talked about a thousand times, it's mysterious. We don't know how it works. Yes, it's mysterious. The league doesn't tell anybody how it works, but there are mathematicians out there who have a pretty decent gauge on it, and they do make estimates. Well, because the Giants signed nearly a dozen veteran free agents from other teams during this offseason... I don't think them losing Marcus Golden is going to really factor as a plus for them. I think they're already so far uh, gone with the number of free agents they've signed, he's not going to balance it out. So I don't think it would necessarily help them to get a compensatory pick. But what this tag does do, it does mean that the new team, if a new team out there decides to sign Golden, okay, well, now they're going to wind up having to put him into their formula, and it could hurt them in terms of their overall compensation. So it's almost more of a deterrent for a new team to sign him than it is a benefit for the Giants, at least the way I understand the compensatory well, pick formula and the way that the Giants have gone shopping this offseason. Well, if it's, if, if it's that way, then doesn't it make it – I don't know why – it's actually going to hurt Golden. Right? I mean, wouldn't this hurt him? Well, it, it all depends because, quite honestly, uh, right now he does not have a contract. So what he does know is that after July 22nd, the Giants have his exclusive rights. There is a, a financial uh, implication that goes along with this based on last year's salary. And at least he'll know if nobody signs him, he's got a deal sitting on the table from the Giants at a certain guaranteed number that is provided by the NFL bylaws. Well, let me ask you a question, Paul, just so I think that myself and others that are listening to the show understand this. So if I'm Marcus Golden sitting at home right now um, and I want to make $5.9 million, I think I think that was the number, um, I can call the Giants today and say, hey, I'll take that. Is that what it is? Or what, I mean, what is the situation there? The Giants would, would certainly have to say yes. Well, he's, he's in a position where he could certainly call them and negotiate a deal with them right now and not have to worry about the tag if that's what you're asking. That's what I am asking. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Now, we have some other Giants news, and the Giants have agreed to contract terms with the following undrafted former college players, according to reports. Each agreement is contingent on a player or each of these players passing a physical that will be conducted after the travel restrictions are lifted. Now, I'm not going to go through all 15 that the Giants uh, – you know, are supposed to have reached a deal with. But there are a number of very interesting guys on this list. And why do we bring it up? Well, because it goes to the point that we just talked about, building the 2020 roster. And wide receiver is a spot that we all talked about numerous times all week long and then all weekend long. When are the Giants going to take another wide receiver? Well, it turns out they had their eyes on a few wide receivers, and they picked them up in the moments after the draft, specifically Austin Mack and uh, Benjamin Victor, two wide receivers who have some length uh, and height and productivity out of Ohio State. 
Yeah, and you wanted those. What did you call those guys? You, you I call a name for them. I call them skyscrapers. Skyscrapers. Well, you got you some skyscrapers. Mac, Mac is only six two, but that is not a bad size for a receiver. Victor is six four. Well, six two. When you go along that the line, other than actually, that's that's taller than Darius Slayton. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to put him in a skyscraper mode, right? I mean, <laughs> he's taller than anybody we got now. So. Um, but it, and listen, these guys have played in big programs. They uh, they understand uh, how to be coached. They understand discipline. Um, and you're sitting there going, well, then why didn't we draft them? Well, they they just didn't. There's something missing there. Uh, whether it's speed, whether it's uh, acceleration. Well, Mac um, Mac was hurt. Mac yeah, was or, hurt. Or, I was just gonna say, or injury. There's something there that you know is is has shown that they weren't. They just a team just didn't want to take a chance on drafting them. Um, yeah, he, and this is why you know this is the time of year where all these guys get to get signed, and um, you know the Giants had a list on the last day of the draft, and when you get down to the sixth and seventh round, that's when these guys are getting checked off their list. Some mm-hmm. guys, some other teams are drafting some of these people, but as soon as that last pick was uh, when when Crowder was taken by the Giants, the phone was immediately picked up. And started calling around to all these guys. Well, even before that, to be oh, honest with you, before that, because they out, they out, they kind of knew who they were going to be getting in the last pick, right? Yeah, right, Paul. So, yeah, and I remember, um, I remember, I was one of these guys, Paul. I was one of these guys where I actually got a call on dr- the last day of the draft, and and remember, there was a lot more rounds back then. I think it was twelve rounds. I mm-hmm. think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the twelfth round, I was getting calls from teams. And saying that we we want to sign you as a as a free agent after the draft is over, right? And then all of a sudden, once the draft was over, those teams were calling me, and New England was the one team that offered me a signing bonus, and that's the reason why I went to New England. But I was one of these guys. I was one of these guys. Did and- the Giants call you? No, the Giants never called me. It was just two teams. It was the Atlanta Falcons, um, who actually had a punter. Rick Donnelly was his name. Sure. And he was an all pro the year, the, the year, the, the previous year. So I was like, I don't think I want to go there. <laughs> so, um, and smart so guy, think, Jeff, smart guy. Yeah. I mean, I had a little <laughs> intelligence, right? So, and more importantly, they were in New England was, you know, they were dang, dangling a $5,000 check. And at that time in 1988, $5,000 was a lot of money. I was mm-hmm. rich. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> so, I don't blame you one but bit. That's, but that's, uh, and you know, and some of these guys get some pretty good. I saw online the other day that somebody got a $70,000, $80,000 signing bonus for as, a, as an unrestricted, undrafted, uh, excuse me, an undrafted free agent the other day. Well, the only thing I can tell you is that back in, this would have been what, 88 was your rookie season? Yes. Okay, yep. Maury Buford was the Giants punter in those days. Okay, yeah. I remember from, now, was this before or after he was at, at the Bears? Do you remember? Because Maury Buford was, at, was on the Bears at one point in time. Yeah, I don't know but, if it was... well, he was at the Bears and then with the Giants for a year and then went back to Chicago. Oh, okay. So he was here for one year. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and to be honest, I would, I would like to have had you then. <laughs> but I don't know. Would you have stayed around about 20 years with the Giants? Uh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to Austin Mack. As a junior, he hurt his foot, and, and, and it cost him you know, the end of the season. And then last year, uh, he and Victor were obviously, you know, part of a very strong Buckeye wide receiving room. And I think, yeah, that's what I want to tell people is that if you just look at their numbers, if they don't pop out on the page, understand that the Buckeyes have so much talent, they spread it around. 
it you know they're not looking for just one guy to to pop all the numbers so i i never want to hold stats against a guy because he was on a team that had depth at his unit uh, I'll tell you an, another guy of, of a lot of interest, and and really uh, it's going to make your eyes pop, Javon Leak, the running back out of Maryland, who uh, had a kickoff return average of over 25 yards per kickoff return, including a 100-yarder and three touchdowns. Uh, he is an absolute demon on kick returns, and oh, by the way, for his career at Maryland, uh, also averaged over eight yards a carry. He, he is a very, very uh, special talent. Yeah, I mean, eight yards a carry, that's getting it done. Um, how big is he, Paul? Six feet, 206 pounds. Okay. Yeah, got some good, I mean, height to him as a running back, 206 pounds. I guess, you know, in today's game, uh, you no longer, you always used to think running backs had to be 230 pounds, right? I mean, these guys, uh, uh, 200 pounds is fine. Um, but I think he's just, you know, again, when we talk about these, these players that are being signed that weren't drafted, there's just a little bit missing. In somewhere and some things, and that's why. But I will tell you that most of these guys that are coming in here that are get that weren't drafted or getting signed, they are so excited right now. They are so excited because they're part of a team. They're moving on to the next level, and they can tell everybody that. Yeah, well, I didn't get drafted, but you know what? Somebody wanted me, and mm-hmm. now these guys can go in and make an impression. And you know, it happens every year. We got our guy that we kind of picked that's going to maybe make it out of this uh, this undrafted group. And we say, you know, once we start watching him practice, hey, this guy is turning heads. And more importantly, I think if any time this year would be a great one for one of these, one or two of these guys to make this team because of the competition that Joe Judge is going to command during training camp, whenever it comes. Well, there's one other wide receiver I have to mention, and there's really no point in spending a lot of time on because nobody really knows much about him, and that is Ryan John. The wide receiver from Simon Frazier up in British Columbia, 6'7", 237 pounds, uh, NCAA Division II program, did work out for some NFL teams as a potential tight end. Uh, he'll be coming down from north of the border. Again, at 6'7", oh, he does qualify as a skyscraper. <laughs> Six foot seven. Oh man, I tell you what, uh, that's that. Yeah, that's um, that is yeah, that's that's like uh, that's like a that's huge skyscraper. Well, is there another name that we can get higher than a skyscraper, Paul? I, I don't, don't I, I don't know about that, but a but I will scraper. say, remember, it was only a few years ago the Giants were able to pluck Brett Jones out of Canada. Yeah, and he's had a nice little career. You know. Um, you know, the thing about it is, yeah, you don't know much about him. Um, I know you did a little bit of research on him, and we were talking before we came on the air about um, his ability to, up there, was a very dangerous player. So nobody wanted to, to jam him at the line of scrimmage. So they gave him a little bit of cushion, and he made a lot of catches. And um, So you're going to have to look at his physicality at that 6'7 frame, although he does have some good girth and size to him. Uh, we'll see how strong he is. And... Um, We'll definitely be able to spot him in that, because remember, that that wide receiver class, if you will, that the Giants have, um, there's a lot of squirts in there, too, guys that are under six feet. (laughs) I call them Smurfs. (laughs) I call them squirts. All right. I've got one more for you, Jeff. I'm not going to let you escape, but the Giants also picked up Austrian running back Sandro Platzgummer. He has been allocated to the Giants as part of the NFL International Player Pathway Program. And, uh, you know, look, I have absolutely no idea 
the type of football, the quality of football, or what exactly that 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 you know he has experience in over in Europe. But it's very interesting to see that uh, this fella is going to have an opportunity. And when you look at you know over the course of the last several years, the NFL has tried to implement. Uh, situations where some of these players from Europe get to go to an international combine in Germany and they train with the players and they train with other prospects and it's all about you know trying to spread the game so we'll see how he does I guess it'll be fun to at least talk to him at training camp that is a long plane ride of like nine hours (laughs) (laughs) I'm just curious to see if he played um, rugby or he played some other sport over there Um, you know you look at Nate Ebner a guy that played rugby and now playing in the National Football League. Um, although, it's, was he is he um, is he from uh, international player? Was he or no? no? I don't know. No, he was not. He was not. Um, he just played on the American rugby team. That is correct. Was. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is great because uh, I I think it's a great opportunity for these guys to come over, and I, I I commend the Giants for for activating a guy like this in a program that a lot of people don't don't know about, and so. Um, it's all about, it doesn't matter where you come from, it's about ability, and, and, it's, and it's about evaluation. Give this guy an extra credit. Now, let me ask you this. I, 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 does this count against the roster, or do, does it not? I'm wondering. No. It does not. So, see, that there you go. You not as to... far as I know, and if I yeah. stand corrected, I'll reserve the right sure. to change my, my statement, but I do not believe it does. Yeah, so that's a good opportunity for this young man. I mean, he's probably going to be chomping at the bit to come over here. All right, got a couple of Twitter questions before we say goodbye, Jeff. Great. Everything New York Giants says, is it a no-brainer to exercise the fifth-year option on Jabril Peppers and Evan Ingram? Um, you have until, I believe it's May 4th or 5th, uh, the date's escaping me right now, uh, to execute a fifth-year option on players uh, who are in their fourth year. you got to do it you know, one year ahead going in and – uh, you know, obviously Jabril Peppers has been more productive in that he's been able to stay on the field more than Ingram has, unfortunately battling a lot of injuries. This tight end, for all that he brings to the table, he has really been snake-bitten. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, um, if I look at both these players, I have to look at future. I have to look at which one of these guys I have in my in, – in, that I feel is going to be able to be a part of this in the long term, meaning the next two or three years. I mean, if you're going to exercise a fifth-year option, um, you're going to get him for another year, and then you're going to need to sign him, which is always the ultimate goal uh, with your draft picks, right? The mm-hmm. first rounders, even though Jabril Peppers was not a first rounder for the Giants, right? He's still a first rounder, and you want to be able to get him into a second contract. I believe that Jabril Peppers is a big, bigger part of the puzzle. Um, but here's the thing: Can Evan Ingram come in and play and stay healthy next year? But you have to exercise his option. So I think that scares the team. So, but in my opinion, they wouldn't. Yeah, I think he he would be in a prove it year this year. If he proves yeah. he can go out and produce I'll give him a contract and play sixteen, then you sit down and talk with him and try to work something oh, out. How about this, Paul? How about all of a sudden you in week number twelve, thirteen, and he's played every game this season? You could talk to him if you then like. Then you to. could start talking to him about that and saying, "Listen, it was a prove it year. You showed us that you could stay healthy. Uh, we only have three or four more games left. I think that this, you've proven it to us, and yeah, we'll do it." But I, I certainly would execute the option on Peppers. And, again, yeah. that that also depends on he had the fractured back at the end of last year. I'm assuming I'm, I'm right? assuming he's okay. Yeah. And and were those five games uh, – yeah, then there was a time for the Giants to really audition some of the other guys, you know, 
um, to be able to go in there and play the safety position going forward. But um, nobody knows. I, I, I know nothing. I don't think you know much about it either because we have just been out of touch with everybody, and we don't know how these players that are coming off injuries are doing. All right. Uh, Lewin Tuckwell says, it seems like the Giants are going to run a Patriot-style defense heavy mm-hmm. in the back seven. Mm-hmm. How much easier will it be for the opposition's offensive coordinator to plan strategy against the Giants, or does versatility trump prior knowledge? That's a great question. But I think that, that Joe Judge has told us, and I think Patrick Graham, when we start talking to him more and listening to what he has to say, Every week will be different. So if you're the other offensive coordinator going to try to game plan against this Patriot-like defense, well, I I think they throw different looks at you every week. So I think it makes it more difficult for an offensive coordinator to game plan against a multiple scheme defense that maybe you're going to see this year. All right, Sean uh, at Gman179 says, "Thanks for all the work you guys did up to the draft. We appreciate it. You're welcome, and we definitely uh, thank you for taking the time to show interest and to listen to our stuff. Because let's face it, the program is here for you. Happy, uh, also at here the hate is believe it or not his Twitter uh, address says, how come uh, there is no co- uh, talk about the competition that will take place at kickoff return and punt return? Well, I think." I- I think there will be going forward. I do. Um, I think right now, if we just haven't talked about it because we're still trying to figure out the roster. Right now that we're getting the numbers are in, the draft, the free agents, the undrafted free agents, and then we can sit down and pull those names aside and say, okay, here's our guys. I will tell you this. I think it's going to be a great competition, especially the fact that when you talk about Javon Leak, uh, he's a guy that could have some impact on this um, and some of the other guys that they drafted are really some good, good, uh, Darnay, Darnay Holmes is a returner. He uh, is. He, he, so he's a guy that you can look at. And so I think it's a great question, but right now I just don't think we're enough informed about who they all are. And then once we identify all of them, then we can start to look at the competition um, and go from there. You know, and we would be remiss if you just push Corey Coleman aside. Well, absolutely, and they re-signed him. So I think that they have some uh, intention to have him come in and, and continue to do that with some competition. All right. Uh, Keys to the City says, we've been <laughs> nice. needing this for some time now. Leave your egos at the door. Let's go Big Blue. And he retweets a quote from Joe Judge, uh, which reads, Quote, when you talk to the media, no predictions, no comparisons. Be grateful for the opportunity, all right? I don't want to hear anything about Super Bowls or any of that crap. You got that. This was supposedly the quote that Judge gave to both Andrew Thomas and Xavier McKinney on the phone when the Giants drafted them. <laughs> Man, am I just I, – I, I feel like there's like <laughs> – I feel like there's a Tom Coughlin sitting on Joe Judge's shoulder, doesn't it? I, I, I think he's got a Coughlin bobblehead on his desk is what I think. Uh, so I th- obviously you know this doesn't bother me one bit because he's 100% correct. Um, just do your job, as they say up in New England, um, and I'm sure that we'll be hearing that phrase sooner or later by somebody or another. But, uh, yeah, just come on. Absolutely. Um you know, steely eye focus, Tom used to say. Humbled, be humbled, humbled in victory, all these kind of things you want to see out of these guys. And I think, listen, I think they did enough homework on most of these players, Paul, that they understand they're good kids, they're good people, um, because that's the kind of uh, guys they want to draft and bring into the Giants organization at this point. 
Anthony Rivardo says, I believe the Giants have depth at the offensive tackle position. He says, you read that correctly. Depth in all capital letters. Solder, Fleming, Thomas, Parrott, and Gates. Yeah, and and listen, I I think there was a couple other offensive linemen that were dra- that were signed um, on that undrafted. Okay, so you got a little bit of that. Well, um, let, let's clarify. Agreed to, according to reports, and again, yeah. they would still have oh, to take their signed. physicals. They were agreed to, yeah, right. Um, uh, but, Kyle Kyle Murphy from Rhode Island was one of those guys who I know Charlie from Maine likes to talk about a lot because he's versatile and has played every single position on the line. Yeah, and I, I listen. I don't want to. I don't want to negate the those 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 guys because they are coming in here to compete. Which, if they did win the job, would give the team depth. But I think that yes, I think he's correct, um, and I think this is kind of what the Giants wanted to do. Now, remember this. I think you know part of depth is versatility. So you got to get some of these guys because you can only have so many linemen, right, Paul? So going into the season. Um, you you like to have depth, but you got to have versatility where a guy can be your swing tackle or the guy can be your swing guard center. Um, so that makes a big difference when it comes into that 53-man roster, which is now going to be 55, right? That's what they said. Yeah. i got one more for you, Jeff. Drew right. in North Carolina says, I don't think Peart and Lemieux are that far away. Wouldn't shock me in the least if we mm-hmm. see three rookies starting on the offensive line at some point this season. Hmm. Really? Where, uh, three? Where are you getting three? Oh, you talking about Lemieux, maybe? He he says uh, Parrot and Lemieux. I don't think Parrot and Lemieux are that far away. Okay. So I suppose when you add Thomas to the mix, and we believe certainly he's he's got a leg up to start. He was drafted fourth overall. I think he's suggesting that all three yeah. may wind up starting games this year. I Look, in a perfect world, I, I don't necessarily think that you want to rush anybody. Yes. And, and I think that in my mind, uh, Lemieux will compete with Pulley at the at the center spot. But Paert, to me, is a red shirt. I think that Thomas competes with Fleming for one of the tackle spots. Uh, Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge have said that actually the top three tackles are going to compete for two spots. To me, Paert is the number four tackle who sits and learns, and you throw him into the competition next year. But that's just how I see it. Yeah, and um, throw Gates in there, too. Um, so I love I, Gates at guard, Jeff. I really do. Okay, and, so the tackle position, you know, I agree with you there. Two for three, right? I mean, two, three positions for two. Hello, three players for two positions are up for grabs. The other guy will be your swing guy, um, and then the other position will be uh, backup guard, center slash. And you got to find a center in there that can come in there and compete, and that would be Shane Lemieux and Spencer Poli and John Holopio. There you go. You know, hey, no matter how you cut it. The Giants' offensive line over the last two years has gotten younger, and the arrow is pointing up. Well, and, and if all of these guys play to their potential and capabilities, it's going to be a strength on this team. I feel better talking about the line as it is now than a year ago. We were so much. There was so much uncertainty. I feel like things are are distinguishedly better. I feel like it's definitive now, right? We have an idea of who these guys are and where they're going to play, and if they don't make it being a starter, that they're surefire going to be a good backup. I, I feel comfortable about the group. I really do. Now, can we always add something better? Who knows? Um, but I think going into it, you got a better taste in your mouth at this juncture. 
All right, that'll do it for today's show. We uh, certainly thank Will Muschamp, the South Carolina head coach, for participating in the program today. As we continue our prospect reviews, we will be doing it each and every day, get the, the take from all the folks who were involved in the process as these guys try to uh, go on from their college careers into the National Football League. And uh, it's it's certainly going to be a lot of fun as we hear more details about these guys who are now the newest members of the Giants, Jeff. Yeah, it's a great sound, isn't it? You're a newest member of the Giants, and uh, those guys couldn't um, couldn't pick a better organization to be a part of. Uh, one that we are going to see start to build back in the right direction with the new coaching staff, new players, and uh, it's going to be fun. Now we just have to wait and see when we can get started, Paul. Very cool. All right, folks, hit us up on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. You can contact him at Jay Fiegels or me at GiantsWFAN. That'll do it for this edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm Paul Dottino. We'll catch you again next time.